following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. I asked this question last week. I'm going to ask it again. I invite you to open your hearts to the times in your life when you've had anxiety. And we mentioned this last week. It might be today for some of us. And I understand that. And I'm not in, we're not trying to have some sort of like fear fest. That's not the goal here. But the goal is to allow the Lord to work directly on our hearts, on, the, on those fears that we have in our lives. You know, um, you could tell jokes like, what are you afraid of? You know, some people are afraid of spiders or of snakes. I don't know if you guys knew this, but after worship left, we left last week, there was a snake in the inside this place. But it was this long. It was not scary. But... But if you'd had a fear of snakes, and I, I always like tell people, we, we kind of do a lot of snake crushing around here. Not snake handling, those are different kinds of churches, but we do snake crushing here. And so we didn't crush this one because he was an innocent snake. We just took him out. And, you know, Mickey helped get him out there and he was fine. And so, so um, if you ever have fears of different things, you know, some, I have a fear of heights. You know, you take me to the edge of the Grand Canyon and I've got a problem. You know, this is where it starts to become involuntary. Like I can't, I'm going to start backing away from the edge. And, and some of you guys would have different kinds of things and those we'll call those phobias. And it's from the Greek word phobos, which means fear. And so we have fears of different things. You know, like fear of spiders, there's arachnophobia and all these different things. And, and um, you may have all those fears, but, but anxiety is more, right? We talked about that last week. It becomes more. It, it's thicker, if you'll allow that language. It becomes like a tangible thing we read about in Psalm 55 that grips us, that wraps us up. And if you're someone who struggles intensely with anxiety, you know this to be true. And maybe, you're, maybe you've always had a little bit or you're in fear, but I, we, we, we always love to take a moment and just say, hey, think about this. Think about this. Because Jesus is going to have much to say to us through his word today. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Now, there's a lot going on here. You're like, oh my goodness, how do we read this thing? We're going to take it one piece at a time. Because there's so much for you and I to learn here. Um, the first statement is pretty obvious. Trust in the Lord. And you're like, well, that's easy. Oh, I didn't know that. So glad you're here to tell us these things. right? Trust in the Lord. The problem is when you don't trust him. The problem is when you fear him and not the fear of the Lord that they're talking about, but when you fear that he's mad at you, when you fear that he's punishing you, when you fear that the way things look right now, it's not going to be good. And the great challenge that you and I have in that moment is to trust him. And I'm going to just be very blunt with you. You can't trust him on your own. If you think that you can somehow just navigate life, I don't need, I just, I can handle all this on my own, then you're just going to be picked off, you know, like a sniper, you know, who's going to, it's just going to be exactly like that. Because the devil is going to be, the, oh, really? Think you can do it on your own? Yes, keep thinking that, keep thinking that. Because look at what, look at what Proverbs says to us. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, now there's that Hebrew word, yada, right? And you're just thinking, wow, Mark, this is great, yada. You know, how about la-di-da, right? Whatever, we don't know what it is. And so in the, in, the, in the NIV, it says acknowledge, right? But if I hear the word acknowledge, I'm like, what, do I just tip my hat to God? I mean, what does that even mean, right? Well, it turns out it means a whole lot. It means that we should notice him, 
Have you ever like got up and looked for God? It's an interesting activity. I encourage you to do it. Look for God. Look for the Lord Jesus Christ working in your life because he has promised, as we saw a moment ago and we'll see again, he's near. And he is doing all kinds of things in your life. He's imminently active and constantly active in your life. But you and I are broken people and we are blinded, we learn. In 1 Corinthians 13, we see through a glass darkly. We don't understand. And so that's why he's saying, don't lean on your understanding, your understanding, but yada him. Look for him. Notice him. Look at this next one. Hear of him. You guys are doing this right now. Listen to the story. Hear what he has to say, right? And then the other thing, learn about him. So you might be saying, I don't understand. Well, that's a great place to start because we don't need your understanding or mine. We need his. And so, so if you're saying, I need to learn more about him, that's a good thing. And the thing that, the thing that just, okay, I have to tell you a story. So I'm at a Bible study um, some years ago. This has been many years ago. And um, we were all supposed to pull out our Bibles. Now, you need to know something. I've gone to church ever since I was a little kid and since I was a baby. And because I, I was brought up that way, and that was just how, what happened. And um, I learned all those silly stories or silly songs they teach you in Sunday school to remember where all the books of the Bible are. Some of you guys could probably break out singing those. If you want to, feel free, but I'm not going to sing them because I just despised all of that, where they did the Bible drills to see how fast you could get to 1 Corinthians or something like that. I mean, I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. And so I sort of eschewed my training that I was supposedly given. And then when I get to this Bible study, I'm I'm a young adult now, and, and somebody says, oh, that's in um, Galatians. And I wasn't exactly a student of the Bible yet, and so I couldn't find Galatians. I don't know if you guys ever couldn't find Galatians, right? And what happens then, instead of saying, I could just turn to the table of contents, Galatians, page whatever, and I turn there. Instead of doing that, I, was, I started leaning on my understanding, well, you know, and I just flipped to like Ephesians or something, which sadly is like right next to Galatians. I didn't even know it. And so then you're sitting there and we're, and I'm pretending to participate in the Bible study. I don't have the scripture in front of me. And they're like, and what do you think, Mark? And I'm like, yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Those words are interesting. You know, you're just, it's just so ridiculous. Learn about him. Don't feel if you, I mean, that, that is one of the worst things ever is that when you feel like I can't ask questions, um, and I know sometimes some of the places we grew up in, they didn't, they didn't want you to ask questions. Please hear me. Please ask all the questions all the time, anytime. Email me, text me, let's have Bible studies. This is what it means to walk together in Christ, is that we notice him, we hear of him, we learn about him, and we speak of him. If you ask me, you know, how's it going today? I'm going to say praise God. Because how is it going today? Today might be good, today might be bad, but the Lord has spoken. He has sent his son to die for you and for me, and that means we all have hope. Amen. We have hope, and so this what we speak of him, and look at what he will do if we yada, right? So then you remember, la-di-da, yada, and he will make your path straight. This is, this is a colloquialism for saying, it's going to be okay. This is one of the first things we have to do when we're dealing with anxiety is we have to recognize that we're in prison and he has literally opened the prison door. He has taken off the chains and he's like, let's go. I'm here. Everything is okay. And the, one of the greatest challenges, and, and it's funny because Mariah and I were talking about this sermon series some weeks ago, and she goes, please don't give us five steps on how to avoid anxiety because that's stupid. Right, we all have anxiety. It comes, and what does the Bible say to do? Yada, 
Learn about God. Spend time with him. Look for him. He's standing right in front of you. The gate of the prison is open. The chains are off. And he's like, come with me. I will take you out of this dark place and set you free. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Now, for the visitors among us, you need to watch out. This is MLV. That's Mark's literal version. And what's going on here is I want to translate this out and bring the words out so we can see them. And, and, and also to skip the things that we're, we're, we're right in the middle of. He goes, therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, drink, or wear? You know, he's got this list. But look what he says to do. This is Jesus talking. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, of course, you and I are in a, a little bit different kind of culture. We seek last the kingdom of God here in America. And I'm not talking politics. I'm talking our day-to-day -day life. You know, open up your calendar. Go, let's see here. So, uh, you know, it turns out we'll be in town this week so we can go to church. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I don't mean about going to church. I'm talking about church attendance. I'm talking about in your daily life. Okay, when you're traveling, seek the kingdom of God. When you're home, seek the kingdom of God. When you're with friends, seek the kingdom of God. When you're at, at work, seek the kingdom of God. When you're at school, when you're playing, when you're having fun on the lake, seek the kingdom of God. Now look at this, and the rightness, that's dikaiosune, it's a Greek word which means righteous, it gets translated righteous, but righteous is a church word. I don't know that we know what it means. We have our own ideas of what it means. It means when things are the way they ought to be. If you seek the kingdom of God, things will invariably <laughs> become the way they ought to be and they will all be provided to you. And if you really think about it, this is not, like I'm not giving you news a news update here, right? It's pretty interesting. If you are sick and you know that you're sick and you don't take your meds, then, you know, assuming the meds are healing you, sometimes meds can be a problem, but go with me on the analogy. Assuming they work and you don't take them, then that's a problem. See, this is the thing. It's like, hey, Jesus is like, I have all the answers for your anxiety. I've got all of it. Because the fact is, how do we know you're delivered from anxiety? What is the truth about anxiety we saw last week? Is that Jesus has come for us, for you and for me. He has set us free. And we choose in our sin, in our brokenness, and then because of the devil, we choose to remain in prison. We do. And this is the reality that we have to be have our hearts open to. Take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Imagine a people who have been living in bondage of slavery and death. And then a, a, a rescuer comes, a, a white knight comes, and he defeats the evil king, and he sets all the people free, and, and he's like, and we're going to be free forever. Amen. And then and, and they're like, nope, we're defeated. You know, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's kind of what goes on among Christians because it is true that the culmination, the new kingdom has not been fully built yet. That's still waiting. In our Bible study on Wednesday morning, we were studying about how in, in 2 Peter, why we're waiting. Why is, why is the Lord delay even though we feel like, why wouldn't you just come back today, Jesus, and just start the new heavens and the new earth? And it says very clearly the reason he delays is because there's still people who don't know. There's people who are still in prison. They're still stuck in defeat, and he wants to set all, all free. He wants to make sure that no one perishes. And so this is why we must always hear the words of the Apostle Paul by the power of the Holy Spirit to you and to me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now rejoice, it means to have joy. 
This is not about being happy. You know, the old song from the 80s or 90s or whatever, don't worry, be happy. It's kind of a silly thing. And I understand that. And there's times when it's fun to sing that. But that's just this kind of like a, well, I'm going to somehow pretend that the life is not terrible and I'm just going to be happy. No. You can be in the midst of tremendous grief and still have joy. You can't have grief and happiness, but you can have grief and joy because happiness is dependent upon your circumstances. How's your day going today? It's going great. I'm happy. How's your day going today? It's going terrible. I'm pretty upset about it. But you can still rejoice. Um, I was at my grandfather's funeral, 1990, December. Um, And this was the first time that it became clear, or not clear, I wouldn't say clear, but this is the first time something happened where I got up in front of people and talked about Jesus. And what I did is I read Romans chapter 5, which if you haven't read it, you should go home and read it. It's, it's not in your Dig Deepers, but it should be. But the first sentence of Romans chapter 5 is that because of Jesus, we have peace with God. Okay? And I proceeded to read it. And as it was coming out of me, like, I realized it wasn't just me who was doing the talking and there was something more going on and I was reading it. And, and what was interesting is I was completely devastated in grief at that moment and something came into my body and that something was joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. I had joy in the midst of my suffering. Right? And that was the first time I'd ever experienced that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Talk to me more. Let's grow in the Lord. Let's seek him and grow and learn about him. Because what will happen is is we have been given victory, but we live as though we are all defeated. And the reason that we do that is because we feel defeated. And it is okay to say, I feel defeated. I don't feel happy, Mark. Quit talking about rejoice. Shush up, Paul. I don't want to hear about it. That's what we sometimes feel. And you and I, every time we look out the front door, every time we talk to our friends and our family, there's trouble. I mean, you should see the prayer book. It's overloaded. I'm running out of ink on people to pray for because of bad situations. But Jesus guides his apostle by his spirit to say, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again because he knows we need to hear it again. (laughs) Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why do we have joy even in the midst of our grief or our suffering or anxiety? Because the Lord is near today, when you leave this place and you go off to do what you would do today on a beautiful, gorgeous day that the Lord has given to us, please know that he is near. Please believe that. It's a promise given to you and to me. He is near. Hear those words. Take a look at verse 6. He says it again, and it's kind of like, you know, when we, when, I'm always one of those people, I don't like hearing this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. What about all these things I'm anxious about? <laughs> you know, you just, ah, don't be anxious. I'm like, well, but I am anxious. And look what he says. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. See, other places he'll say, give thanks in all circumstances. And you're like, really? And, and there was this time when, the, when the, the disciples, right after Jesus had ascended into heaven in Acts chapters 4 and 5, they got, they got persecuted by the, the, the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin. 
And then at some point it says, and they praised God for they were counted worthy to participate in his suffering. You know, we would not we'd be like, I don't really want to participate in suffering. Can you imagine putting that on the church marquee? Or let's put it out there. We're going to have a new building. It's a new praise and worship center. We're going to put a big sign out there. It's going to say, come suffer with us, right? People will be like, not going to that church. But that's precisely what we've been called to do is to rejoice in all circumstances, to give thanks in all circumstances. Keep praying. Be the widow who went to the judge. Keep banging on the door. Jesus said he didn't fear God or man, and he responded to her. Luke 18 is what I'm telling the story. I want you to pray to your heavenly Father because he will answer. Here it is again. And this is the thing. We have hope versus fear, and, and fear is always saying don't pray to God. Hope is saying pray. Pray. Take a look at verse 7. This is also MLV because I want you to see two key words. Because I grew up in a church where every single time the pastor ended his sermon, he would say, and the peace of God, which transcends all his understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus um, our Lord. And so that's beautiful, and that's a great way to end a sermon, but that meant that I never listened to those words again because I heard them so frequently. And so I want you to hear them kind of in a literal way. First of all, the first word there is shalom. Shalom, and and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it a million more times, so this is just another time, and that is shalom does not mean the absence of conflict. It's not not peace-like as opposed to war, although that's included in it. Shalom is the complete restoration of things that are not the way they should be. He says that the shalom of God, the peace of God, what did Jesus say to the disciples? The first thing he said to them after he rose from the dead, he said, peace. He said, shalom. Because he was the firstborn of the new creation. He rose from the dead. You and I, yes, we fear death. That may be one of our greatest fears for many of us. And I want you to know Jesus rose from the dead. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, so shall you. 1 Corinthians 15. And so because of that and because of what he's doing, the shalom of God, the peace which passes all understanding is for you. And look what he says. So the shalom of God, which hyper echo, that's where we literally get, you know, you just see our English word for hyper and echo. Now echo, when we say it, it's when we say something and it comes back. Echo just means it's something you have in Greek, but that's kind of where, that's where you can see how it got there in our language. So hyper echo means something way beyond what you have. Something way beyond. It's all surpassing, completely beyond, transcending. All those words, they all fit there. And the shalom of God, which transcends, surpasses all comprehension, our ability to understand. This is one of the most important things you can learn in your faith. If you say, I don't understand, now we're we're talking. And that does not mean I don't want you to be intellectual. Hello, are you kidding me? Let's study and keep studying. But what I mean is when you encounter a mystery, how can love cause pain? And we, yeah, It causes pain in all of us. And love is the most wonderful gift in the universe. See, it's a mystery. And yet, this is precisely what we're invited to do. The, the peace of God will go beyond all of our ability to understand or to comprehend, and his peace will actually shield us, will guard us, will protect us in our hearts and in our minds. How? In Jesus. And I know we've heard, some of us have heard those words a lot, but I want you to keep hearing them because this is deliverance from anxiety. This is, the, this is the way out. You and I who struggle with anxiety, when you're having it, it's based on a lie. The lie is, 
Everything's bad. Everything's terrible. Something terrible is about to happen or could happen or might happen or has happened. God doesn't understand. People don't care about you. Um, you know, all these bad circumstances that you can itemize and put in a spreadsheet and demonstrate to one another. And what happens is, is that in the, in the midst of those feelings, the arrow that goes out gets bent in on itself. And we then feel very sorry for ourselves and feel very alone. And we, we move from being the victim to being the participant in it. And all is intertwined. And it's not exactly something we can just fix. What fixes it is not anything that we do. No five steps to solve anxiety. Just Jesus. Someone who actually comes into your life and takes you out of the pit. Cry out his name. Cry out his name. Would you join me as we just do that? Let's cry out his name. Father, we cry out your name. I pray for everyone who here is struggling with anxiety or has struggled with it or maybe is concerned about it in the future. And I pray that you would lift us out of the pit, that we would lean not on our own understanding, but that we would let your peace go beyond our understanding and to guard us, to shield us, our hearts and our minds in Jesus. It's as simple as that that we would yada, that we would look for you in our life, that we would speak of you, that we would study what you have given to us in your word, that we would reach out for you and cry out your name. My prayer this week is very simple, that everyone in this room would know that you are near and that we would cry out your name. In Jesus, it is in your name that we pray. You are the Son of God and our Lord. You live and reign with the Holy Spirit and with the Father together as one God, now and forever. Amen.